to another edition of the UK Law Weekly podcast with me, your host, Marcus Kleber. This week, we're looking at a case of the Commissioners for HMRC and Joint Administrators of Lehman Brothers International Europe. The citation for this case is 2019 UKSC 12. And so this week, we return to the financial crisis of 2008. And you may well remember that one of the key players at that time was the party in this case, Lehman Brothers, who are now in administration. In many ways, this was brand new ground for insolvency law simply because of the sums involved. The Europe arm of the Lehman Brothers Group alone generated a surplus of around £7 billion. All of the unsecured creditors have been paid in full, but there is still around £5 billion that is due to be paid out in statutory interest, and that is the focus of the case today. The reason there is an open question is because the other party to the proceedings, Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs, also want a slice of this large and, frankly, juicy pie. Simply put, they argue that the interest that is due to be paid out to these creditors is so-called yearly interest within the meaning of Section 874 of the Income Tax Act 2007 and therefore should be subject to income tax. On the other hand, the administrators, acting on behalf of the creditors, state that this is not the case and so the question went before the High Court. There, Justice Hildyard found in favour of the administrators and held that this was not yearly interest because it was simply worked out once the surplus had actually been identified. In other words, it is not like this interest had accrued over a period of time and therefore it was not right to categorise it as yearly interest within the meaning of the 2007 Act. The Court of Appeal disagreed with this reasoning because for them, yearly interest wasn't itself dependent on the accrual of time. Instead, they viewed the interest as more of a form of compensation for the creditors, and that was sufficient to give it a sense of being long-term. Thanks to this disagreement and the general importance of the case, the dispute went to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick it up. The justices began by considering the very nature of statutory interest as it derives from the insolvency rules. Those rules originate from 1986, but the more recent version that we are dealing with here are from 2016. In particular, Rule 14.23, Sub Rule 7, deals with statutory interest, and from the context in which the rule is situated, there is a sense that, at a very high level, what we are talking about here is a form of compensation that is awarded to creditors for their inability to access their money during the administration process. With that at the back of our minds, the next step is to consider the tax regime in the UK, especially Section 874 of the Income Tax Act 2007 that we mentioned earlier. In essence, there are two types of taxation that are paid on interest. Firstly, a general tax on interest, and secondly, a deduction of income tax from interest on profits and other gains which is also called yearly interest. It is that second type that we are after here, and so on a very basic level, if the compensation or interest that was paid out to the Lehman Brothers creditors was a form of profit or gain, then they would be liable to pay income tax. In order to emphasise this point, the court turned to the old case of Riches and Westminster Bank Limited from 1947 which also dealt with situations where interest was paid as a single lump sum. As with our case that we are dealing with today, because the interest is only actually paid out when a specific event, such as a court order, arises, 
it was held that this is a form of compensation. If the period from when the interest begins accruing through to the specified event is more than one year, then it necessarily becomes yearly interest for the purposes of paying income tax. The key here is passage of time because although during the period there is some uncertainty about how long the time will last, or even if the court order will actually be made at all, once the period is crystallised, it becomes sufficiently certain for taxation to be applied to it. Before we finish, it does also have to be said that there were arguments raised about whether a distinction could be drawn based on the fact that the money we are talking about comes from the surplus after a company goes into administration, and that it is the decision of the administrators to award compensation. As that single decision following the crystallisation of the interest is a one-off and does not take place over any significant period of time itself, then it follows that it cannot be considered yearly interest. That argument was rejected because it ignores the line of case law that derives from riches, and beyond that, it is rather artificial to think about the source of the interest being simply either the surplus or the decision of the administrator. In the end then, it was decided that income tax does have to be paid, although news stories that have appeared since the decision have suggested that some of the creditors may bring a new case against HMRC based on international law, and in particular the idea that they should not be subject to tax in two countries. Nevertheless, this is potentially going to represent a massive windfall for the government of around £1 billion, which will make a big difference in the current economic climate. In financial terms, this is not too much of a dent for the creditors either, although this might be surprising to hear at first given that Lehman Brothers was at the heart of the global financial crisis in September 2008. That part is certainly true, but the reason that Lehman Brothers failed is because of a lack of cash flow, not because they had no assets whatsoever. Once everything was pulled together, those assets that they did have added up to around £40 billion in total. And so not only could the creditors be paid back in full, but as we have been discussing, interest payments could be made from the surplus. That itself is rather unusual in administration cases, but you also have to add on top of this the fact that many equity firms bought the debt from other companies for 20p on the pound. That 20p is now worth £1.40, and so when you scale that up, you get a sense of just how much money has been made here by those institutions that saw an opportunity during the crisis, and also just how little the income tax payments on the interest will represent in the grand scheme of things. The problem is that when you explain this to some people, the automatic reaction is one of indignation along traditionally leftist lines. In other words, they suggest that either making such sums out of the crisis is somehow morally wrong, and given the impact of the downturn on the national economy, all of the profits should be paid into the treasury. Or they argue that it should have been the government that bought the debt during the downturn so that it could profit. There are problems with both of these lines of reasoning. In the first situation, it is not those equity firms that cause the economic crisis, and so the idea that they should be punished for a smart business decision is ridiculous. The second argument is based on a poor understanding of the government's role in the economy. If a private company takes on a debt, then there is a clear risk involved, and so that has to first of all be weighed carefully by the company in question. And if the risk is too much, then, while that can lead to wild profits, it can also lead to financial ruin. That same risk does not apply to the government investments, because even in the worst case scenario, they are going to be good for the money because of their reliance on the taxpayer in the last resort. 
This introduction of an artificial component into the marketplace leads to a downward spiral of stagnation as more and more of the private sector feels itself cushioned from any significant blow because of the public sector safety net. It was this attitude that contributed to the crisis in the first place. Returning to the law, and I think this was a pretty straightforward decision for the Supreme Court to make. Many of the arguments from the administrators were based on a different understanding of interest as a sort of permanent investment over time, but that just never really fitted with the facts of the case, and so it was always going to be more appropriate to recognise the lump sum interest payment as a form of compensation where the period of time was almost worked out and taxed in retrospect. This might not be a traditional way of thinking about interest, but it is clearly a more realistic approach to the scenario as it played out. The decision may not be of much general application because of the vast sums involved, but it is instructive to see the court take a realistic view of payments and profits in a general sense. Well, that's all from me this week. Um, Thank you very much to bensound.com who provides theme music, and of course thank you to everyone who listens to the podcast. In particular, those of you who take the time to give a rating and a review on iTunes. This week we are giving our special thanks to Khadija Sukera 1111 um, I hope I pronounced that correctly, but thank you very much for your kind review on iTunes. Much appreciated. That's up to 115 reviews overall now. Remember, you can check out all of the previous episodes of the podcast on uklawweekly.com and follow me on YouTube to see some of my legal tutorials for law students. I'll be back with another case next week, but for now, bye!